Well, welcome everybody to Grace. Good to have you here this weekend. Welcome everybody watching online. I love that song. In fact, listen, moms, if your babies are having trouble sleeping, play that song for them and they will like just doze right off. It's a really a nursery rhyme, but uh, <laughs> love it. It's awesome. Hey, uh, we're going to start a new series this weekend called Foolproof, um, but before I dive into that, uh, I think it'd be very appropriate for us to take uh, a couple minutes and uh, uh, pray. This is the, the 15th anniversary of the, the uh, September 11th attacks, and uh, those attacks have uh, affected our lives and many people's lives uh, around the world, and so I think it'd be uh, good for us to take a minute and uh, ask the Lord to help us with that and to remember those things. So would you bow your heads with me? Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we love you and we're grateful to you. You, uh, you say in your word that you are above all things, that you are the one that builds up and tears down even nations and kings. And so uh, we trust you with that. And uh, Lord, 15 years ago, uh, those of us who are old enough, we remember uh, distinctly watching the events of that day and re- remembering that our, our lives changed that day. And I think we were... Uh, aware of that. And so, God, uh, we, we trust you with that and ask for your help in it. Uh, Lord, for, uh, for some of us, even in our church family, our lives were directly impacted on that day. And uh, we lost people that we love and, and that you loved. And Lord, from the years forward, uh, through the wars and all that has happened, Lord, uh, our lives have been affected. So we ask for your help we ask for your guidance, and, and we ask that you, uh, you steer us forward through those hard times. Lord, it's also with gratitude. Uh, Lord, those days were uh, just clear illustrations that there are people who give, our live, give their lives to us. They serve us, they protect us, they help us. So, Lord, it's with gratitude that we thank you for our police officers. We thank you for our firefighters, the paramedics, our military uh, God, men and women who from that day forward and have, uh, have offered themselves for us and to protect us and help us. So bless them and protect them. God, we ask for wisdom for our leaders and even for ourselves as we move forward. Uh, God, give uh, our nation's leaders humility. Uh, give them clarity. And uh, God, uh, help them to, to yield to you in, in all things. So we thank you, God. We thank you that in the middle of trying times, in the middle of chaotic times, that you are greater than and that we can trust you and lean on you. And we want to remember to do that even today. So thank you for your comfort, for your help, for your love and your guidance. In your name, Jesus, amen, amen. Well, we are gonna jump into a series this weekend called Foolproof, and we're gonna be talking about the idea of wisdom and how uh, wisdom is something that all of us need, that all of us want to lock on to, and often, in many ways, is something that many of us are kind of missing in our lives. This is what happens. If I ask you guys today, uh, if you're like me, if I said, what's your, what's your biggest issue? Like, what, if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask him for today, right? And for most of us, when, when we think of a question like that, uh, we, we would think about whatever is most pressing right in front of us right now. So if I said, what's your biggest stressor? You might say your job or money or relationship. It, it could be something like that. It could be something as, as important as like your health, 
If there's something going on physically, a circumstance, you know, I'm facing this decision. Should I go to, what college should I go to? Should I go to grad school? All that kind of stuff. Should I take a promotion? It could be something as, uh, as, as benign as like a car, right? Like I need a new, that's my biggest stressor right now. Like I need a new car kind of a thing. And so, it, but, but whatever that answer is, usually it's whatever's in front of us right here and right now. We call it the tyranny of the urgent, right? And, and this is the thing, like if God could make this thing go away, then, then my life would be easier and my life would be better. And those things, it's legit. I'm not trying to downplay it. It, it just, it just kind of works this way. If God solved all of my circumstantial problems that I had like right now, and, or if he even solved like my relational problems right now, or even my physical problems right now, what would happen in a few months or in a year or so, uh, there would just be something else to fill in that blank, right? Here's a new set of circumstances, a new set of relationships, uh, a new set of even physical problems, and God, I need you to solve this for me too. So what happens is we kind of move from like thing to thing to thing. It's whatever's pressing us in at that particular moment is the thing that dominates our mind and even dominates our heart, and we just kind of bounce from, from issue to issue to issue. We then look at God and say, God, if you would just wipe this deck clean, or if you would just make this go away, then, then I would finally be at a place of peace, right? If I could finally get the job I really wanted, my life would calm down. If we could finally make the amount of money that we think that we need, my life would calm down. If these relational problems would, would change, if I could move my status from single to in relationship, right, then, then my life would calm down. Because what I care about the most is finding somebody to like marry and spend my life with, right? And that, that's the idea. God looks at us and says, in essence, listen, um, I'm not gonna make all your problems go away because it's not the way life works. What I wanna do is I wanna give you something greater than your problems. I, there, there's something I wanna give you that, that's above all of this. And if you had this, then instead of like, God, do this, do this, do this, if you had this, you could navigate through those problems. You could find those relational answers. You could find those situational answers. And you could even understand like how to categorize and understand like your physical problems. I wanna give you something bigger than, greater than, just kind of these quick answers. What I want to give you is wisdom. I wanna give you wisdom in how to go through your situations. I wanna give you wisdom to navigate your relationships because the, the answers change. Lord, I don't wanna be single, I wanna get married. Well, once you get married, you got a whole nother set of problems, you know what I'm saying? Like you need wisdom. I don't, want, I don't want this job, I want this job. Well, you took the promotion and now the promotion has all the stress and pressure and stuff. I don't want this physical problem, you know, take it away. Well, you're, you, we're human beings, we're gonna have another physical problem, right? It's just the way that life works, but wisdom, could superintend all of that. Wisdom could guide us through each and every portion of it. And wisdom is what God really wants to give us. Uh, it's fascinating. There's a guy in the Bible named Solomon. And Solomon is a guy, Solomon was David's son. So if you remember David and Goliath, you know that story, David and the giant pickle for all of you raised on veggie tales, right? So David and, and Goliath, David became King David, the greatest king of Israel, and Solomon was David's son. Okay, so Solomon takes over the throne. Solomon has answers to all of his immediate problems. 
So Solomon was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He was the most powerful man that lived in his day. So he didn't have like circumstantial problems. He could buy his way out of it, right? Relational problems. He was king. He'd just like have your head cut off. Problem solved. Wouldn't that kind of be nice? Sometimes. But right, so he had that So He had all of that. And yet it was fascinating, there's this interaction that Solomon has with God in the book of 1 Kings chapter three. If you got your Bibles, let me show this to you. 1 Kings chapter three, and the Bibles that are there in the chairs is page 231, or you can use the app and just hit live and everything's right there. 1 Kings chapter three, page 231. Solomon has everything you would ever want but he recognizes that he doesn't know how to navigate all that kind of stuff. So this is his, ex- his exchange with God. Chapter three, verse three, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifice and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifice, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Verse five, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in the dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I want you to think about that. He appears to Solomon in a dream. He says, ask me for whatever you want me to give you. God shows up to Solomon, and he says, I'm giving you the blank check. Whatever you want, it's yours. Now, if God showed up to you and I and said, here's the blank check, ask me for whatever you want, this, this, and it's yours, if you're like me, what you would ask for is the tyranny of the urgent. God, what I need is a car. God, what I need is I need to get into this school. God, what I need is like a girlfriend. God, what I need is I need you to fix my husband, or if you gotta smite the one I got, I'm open to it, right? Like I, right? God, this is what I mean. So God shows up to Solomon, says, name it, claim it. Right? It's one of the only parts in the Bible where that theology can kind of remotely apply to one person ever. Name it, claim it. Look what Solomon asked for. It's fascinating. Solomon, verse 8, Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you, upright and, and righteous in his heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne to this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father David, but I'm only a little child, or, or he, we might say a young king or a new ruler. I'm only a, a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among your people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number, so this is what I want in my blank check. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and, distinct, and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for the discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among the kings. For if you walk in obedience to me and give me your decree and, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Solomon looked at God. God said, ask me whatever, here's your blank check. 
Solomon didn't look at his circumstances, didn't look at the immediacy of his relationships, didn't look at his physical needs. He didn't even say, let me live a long, long time. He looked at God and said, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I don't know how to navigate all of these circumstances. I can't just do that. Give me your, high, your heart and your mind and give me the wisdom to live life the way that you call me to live. And that answer so pleased God. He's like, you get wisdom and you get wealth and a long life and health. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to give it all to you because if you have wisdom, you'll know how to handle the rest of it. Guys, sometimes when we ask God for a change of circumstance or relationship or even a physical need, sometimes it's not given to us because we wouldn't know what to do with it if we got it right? We don't have the wisdom to do those things. We don't have the ability to navigate those things, and God protects us, but when we ask for wisdom, God, give me your mind, give me your heart, give me your thought process. You navigate me through these ups and downs. Then all of a sudden, we have God's insight to handle all of life no matter the circumstance, no matter the relationship. And this is what Solomon saw and what he understood. Everything else is empty if I don't have the heart and the mind of God, if I don't have the wisdom to walk through it. Uh, pastor Tony, the, the um, campus pastor of our Medina East campus, said this. He said, we often want the results of wisdom and what we actually need is wisdom, I, I often want just my life to work out well, but if my life works out well and I didn't take the journey correct it, correctly, I'm not going to be able to handle it once it works out well. We need the process of wisdom. We need the learning of wisdom. We need the value of wisdom to go through life the way that we want to go through it. So in this series, what we're going to do, I'm, I'm going to kind of tee it up for us this weekend but I kind of want to make like the argument or the case for gaining or getting, you'll see here in a minute, it's what the, how the Bible says it, getting wisdom and putting in that component into our life. Instead of saying, God, give me, saying, God, show me, lead me, walk me through, and that's what we actually want and that's what we actually are looking for in life. Now, in order to kind of, pursue wisdom, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. So if you want to go to the book of Proverbs, if you're in the book of 1 Kings, go to the right a few pages. If you don't have your Bibles open, then you can look at Proverbs. Proverbs kind of in the middle. If you open your Bible to the middle, you'll probably hit Psalms or Proverbs, okay? So Proverbs is right there. And we're going to go through the book of Proverbs, and we're going to study it a little bit. So the, the book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom, all right? And we get a lot of wisdom, God's wisdom, through the book of Proverbs. But let me just explain the book to you a little bit, and then we'll talk about how to, how to get it, okay? So a proverb, the book of Proverbs, the word proverb is not like a spiritual word or spiritual concept. So a proverb is a form of literature. So this is a part of the literature of the Bible or the way that the Bible is organized, and we just titled it proverb. But the, a proverb itself, all a proverb is is a short saying with a bunch of meaning packed into it. That's all a proverb is. It's 
a short saying with a bunch of meaning packed into it. Somebody once said, a proverb is a short phrase with a long life experience. Okay, that's all a proverb is. Now that's important because there's all kinds of different proverbs and all kinds of different proverbs have different levels of value and meaning. And if you, if you look and say, well, the biblical Proverbs are just like the rest of Proverbs, then you're gonna miss the impact of wisdom on your life, okay? So there's Chinese Proverbs, there's Egyptian Proverbs, there's African Proverbs, there's American Proverbs, there's Indian Proverbs, because it's a literary form, is all that it is. So a short saying that has lots of meaning attached to it, okay? So for instance, here's an African proverb. Uh, an African proverb. If your enemy wrongs you, buy each of his children a drum. That's an African proverb, right? I don't know who I wronged, who Heidi wronged, but all of our kids have drums for some reason in our house, right? So that's an African proverb. Here's a, here's a, a, a Bulgarian proverb. Uh, Jeffrey Bogair, he said this one. He said, uh, the older you get, the harder it is to lose weight because your body and your fat become friends. That's a Bulgarian proverb, like best, best friends, you know, kind of thing, right? Uh, here's an American proverb. I think Benjamin Franklin made this uh, famous. Uh, the early bird gets the worm. That's, a, that's a, uh, an American proverb, right? Uh, here's, a, here's a modern proverb. It goes like this. Uh, player gonna play, hater gonna hate, so shake, shake, shake it off, right? That's a... <laughs> That's a Taylor Swiftian proverb is what that, that is, okay? So those are, those are all proverbs. It's a literary form. That's all that that is. And so when you get, a, when you get a, a fortune cookie, right, and you get your little fortune out of it, it has a little proverb on it, okay? Now, here's, here's where you gotta be careful. Taking the literary form and saying, well, the Bible uses that literary form, therefore, the proverbs in the book of Proverbs are on par with all the, with like Confucius and Oprah and all these other thoughts, right? That's where the mistake would happen because when you look at the book of Proverbs, this is what we have to remember. Even though some of them later on, especially after about chapter seven, you'll start getting these little snippet things. Even though they like sound a lot like the fortune cookie because of the literary form, we have to remember this. We believe that the Bible is the, is the words of God. So we call it the authoritative, inspired, complete word of God. Okay, so we believe that the Bible are the words of God. That means this. That means that the Proverbs in the Bible were given to Solomon as an answer to his prayer for wisdom. Okay, so they're, they're not just a collection of like the Chinese Proverbs and this and that, the Assyrian Proverbs, this and that. They, they are the inspired words of God that God protected and gave to us, and they are an answer to, to Solomon's prayer for wisdom. What Solomon did then was he collected these, these inspired insights from God, or these words of God, and he organized them into the book of Proverbs, and then he gave this book. The book is actually written to his son, so he writes the book to his son. He's like, son, remember this. Son, remember this. Son, you're gonna take over the kingdom. God taught me this. God showed me this. I want you to have this. So he wrote it down. Wrote it down. And then he wrote it. He, he talks about wisdom. He, call, he feminizes wisdom. He calls wisdom she, right? So he says, if you pursue wisdom, she will do this for you. Uh, she will help you in this way. You should pursue her. So he uses a literary form to capture God's word, which by the way, the Bible does all over the place because writing things down takes a literary form. 
but it's the words of God, okay? Now, as we go through the book of Proverbs, I'm actually not gonna teach you every proverb in the book of Proverbs because you can figure that out on your own. What Solomon does before he gives his son all of the short little sayings is he says, what you have to do, son, in order to understand these short little sayings, you have to pursue wisdom itself. If you're not interested in wisdom, then these wise sayings will not help you. If you don't value wisdom, then all these short, memorable little things, they're not gonna be of any value to you anyways. If you don't love and long for and pursue wisdom, then nothing I say is going to help you because pursuing wisdom or getting wisdom is more a position of the heart than running into these words that interact with you in a, in a certain way. So that what we're gonna talk about is the pursuit of wisdom. And then as you read the rest of the book of Proverbs, if you're pursuing wisdom, that will all be very, very valuable to you. If you're not pursuing wisdom, then that will just come in like fortune cookie stuff to you. But if you're pursuing wisdom itself, it'll lock in, okay? So let's, let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about what wisdom is. And let me, uh, let me define wisdom by undefining it a little bit, okay? So we, we, we wanna say this. Wisdom is not simply knowledge. Wisdom is not simply knowledge. So wisdom is not the acquiring of information and facts, okay? Knowledge is a part of wisdom, it's important, but it's not knowledge by itself, okay? I bet you all of you have met somebody who's book smart but has no common sense. You ever met somebody like that? Don't point, that is not nice at all to do, right? But somebody who's book smart but has no common sense, so it's kind of the absent-minded professor kind of a thing or, or the person who lives over here in like computer land kind of thing. They, they know all there is to know about something, but they don't know how to bring it to, to life. So knowledge is important, but the Bible says knowledge by itself puffs us up. It makes us arrogant, right? So it's the elitist mindset. I can say multi-syllable words that you can't say, right? So wisdom is not just knowledge. Now here's the other thing. Wisdom is also not simply boundaries. So wisdom is not just keeping rules, okay? So, so sometimes we'll look at somebody and say, uh, I keep the rules, you're reckless, you're not wise, I am wise. And there's, there's truth in that, but not when you isolate it out by itself, it's not just the keeping of rules. So you guys, I bet you all have seen on the news or run up against something where there's a rule that's applied in a ridiculous way, but it's the rule, right? So like, for instance, a lot of schools have like a, a zero tolerance policy with like knives or guns or something like that. And so you'll see on the news like a kindergarten, kindergartner will make a, a gun out of his finger and get suspended from school for it. And you're like, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not what the rule is there for. But they'll, they'll look and say, well, it's a rule. But you'll look and say, well, where, where's the common sense in that, right? Or you run into this at the DMV or when you're working with the government in some way, like this, this ridiculous rule. And you're like, does anybody know how to think? You ever been in a place like that? And they, they don't because they're rule keepers. So wisdom's not just knowledge, 
Wisdom is not just rules. Wisdom has knowledge and requires knowledge, and wisdom has boundaries and requires boundaries, but it's not either one of those things isolated. Wisdom, we like to call it this, wisdom is the skill of living. It's the skill of living. It's when I take information and I take moral parameters and those things weave together in real time that, that uh, address a unforeseen, never-faced-before set of circumstances. That's wisdom. Suddenly, somebody can navigate through something, drawing from their knowledge and drawing from their parameters, but weaving it together in a life skill that allows them to address an unforeseen situation. Now, as I thought about this, I thought about this, this image. This is, this is an image of wisdom. Uh, you guys remember a few years ago uh, when uh, we call it the miracle on the Hudson, okay? So Captain Solly is the airplane of, of this, uh, captain of this airplane. He has a knowledge. He has an understanding of the aerodynamic properties of an aircraft, and he has boundaries. As far as I know, you're not allowed to land an airplane on a river, right? I'm pretty sure that's a rule somewhere. But now he faces an unforeseen set of circumstances. Knowledge, like he knows the airplane's gonna go down because there's a double bird strike, right? So he's like, oh man, the aerodynamic properties of this airplane are gonna quit working very quickly. Good information, right? And there's a moral, there, there's a, a boundary, and I have to land it, but my only option is a river. I'm going to have to break a rule. He brought those two things together into a life skill. I'm going to have to do something that nobody could foresee, nobody could tell me about. There's not a checklist to check off, and I'm going to have to blend these together in real time into a life skill and make a wise decision, okay? And it's the miracle on the Hudson. He saved everybody's life on that airplane, okay? That's a picture of wisdom. Now, spiritually, we would say this. Most of our spiritual life doesn't show up on a checklist. Most of your spiritual life, your walk with God is actually not governed by rules. There, there are rules, there are parameters, but most of your life isn't governed by rules. And most of your spiritual life isn't governed by information. Most of the time, the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt do this, right? And especially in a given situation, thou shalt forgive your wife for not cleaning the kitchen, right? <laughs> Husband chapter one, verse two, right? It's not in there. Uh, thou shalt, moral parameters, thou shalt interact with someone who's addicted to a substance in this way. You're not gonna find that in the Bible, Right? So what do you need? Now I, I have a family member. I have a life circumstance. I have a relationship, right? What do I need? I'm not gonna find a rule and I'm not gonna find a moral parameter. What I need is the mind of God. I need the heart of God. I need wisdom, right? It's gonna, it's gonna be, come from the scripture. It's gonna have boundaries. This is not me making stuff up to do what I wanna do but the skill of actually living in those ways is huge. This is parenting, right? Parents, mom, dad, child dedication weekend. This is parenting. There's no book on parenting. If somebody wrote a book that tells you how to raise your kids, throw the book out. 
take the book, hit the author with it. That's what you should do. There, there's, no, there's no book on that. You need wisdom. You need to walk, there's no book on marriage, right? Have your marriage this way, it'll work every time. It won't work every time, right? Your spouse will take the book and hit you with it. It, it, it won't work like that. You need wisdom. Is there biblical truth and information? Absolutely. Are there parameters? Absolutely. Do they have to be blended together in the real life scenario? Absolutely. Okay. So wisdom. And wisdom is a gift from God. Wisdom is something God blesses us with. Wisdom is something that Solomon says you need to value. In fact, it's fascinating when he's talking to his son. Look at what he says. Uh, Open your Bibles up to... um, Proverbs chapter four. So he's writing this all down for his son. He's making this case, the first few chapters, the case is all about the value of wisdom before he gets into the, the, the pieces of wisdom. And he says this, verse five, chapter four. He says, son, listen, my sons, to your father's instructions. And then he says this in verse five, get wisdom. Isn't that fascinating? Get it. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. He looks at his sons and he says, listen, go get wisdom. Before you get money, before you get power, before you get fame, before you get a relationship, go and get wisdom. Here's the beginning of wisdom. Get it. Go find it. Lock on to it. Cherish her love her. This is not a marriage passage. This is about wisdom. Love her. Embrace her. She will protect you. She will help you. She will grace you. She'll give you a crown. She'll make you victorious. If you're the wisest guy instead of the richest guy, you'll wind up being both. Get rid of, if it costs you every dime you got, go get wisdom and pursue it. And he leans into his sons and says, before I start laying out these proverbs for you, if you don't value wisdom, none of this is going to work or make sense. But if you value wisdom, you pursue wisdom, you give your life to wisdom, then all of life is going to make sense, okay? So over the next few weeks, we're going to pursue this and we're going to lock into this value of wisdom and and we're going to walk this through and I believe that we're gonna pick up real skills for living and, and God is gonna use it in our hearts in a, in a big way. Now, let me show you this. In order to get this wisdom, these next few weeks, we gotta approach it a certain way, okay? So in order to get wisdom, there, there's three kind of mindsets that we have to have. So here's the first one. If you wanna get wisdom, you ha- in order to get wisdom, you have to be patient and persistent. You to be patient and persistent, okay? Wisdom is not something that God like downloads into you. So when you, when you agree with Jesus that you're a sinner that needs to be forgiven and you agree with Jesus that he's the only path of salvation and you accept Jesus as your savior, you don't get wise instantly. That doesn't happen. Hang out with some people at church and you'll find out that's not the way that, that works at all, okay? 
So wisdom isn't that. Wisdom is not a software upgrade. It doesn't upload between 2 and 4 a.m. if you're on Wi-Fi, right? It's not, that's not what wisdom does. Wisdom is a life pursuit. So I want you to think about this. Um, like school's kicking back up. You get knowledge. That's why you go to school. You get it. You acquire it over time, okay? Uh, those of us who are in, the, in our career world, you are always upgrading your professional skills, right? You're going to this ongoing training. You're learning this new piece of equipment. You're understanding this software. You, it's a lifetime of acquiring something. You never arrive, you're always acquiring. Uh, those of us who are parents, you, you may even give your kids private lessons in something. Heidi and I do this, right? There's, there's guitar lessons and we pay somebody to get that information. There are drum lessons. We, pay, we get that. There are gymnastic lessons. I'm never really sure what we're going to use them for, but we're, we're, we're paying somebody to give us gymnastic lessons, right? So we, we will even arrange our families in such a way that we go and get those things. If you want wisdom, it's the same mindset, okay? Mom and dad, like we're back in like our school year grooves. Your kids are in drum lessons, soccer lessons, what you should have them in church, in power kids, in student ministries. Why? It's not just so that they have good friends from good families. It's so that they're acquiring wisdom. It's something that you learn. By the way, mom and dad, you should be doing that. Like back in the groove and going to class and being in life group again and all this kind of, why? Because it's, a, it's our ongoing wisdom education. It's not this mystical thing that God downloads. It's a life skill that we acquire over time. We pick up knowledge, we pick up boundaries, and it turns into an instinct. It's the heart and the mind of God. So if you want to get wisdom, it takes patience and it takes persistence, okay? Here's the second thing. If you want to get wisdom, this is a huge one, really huge. You should write this down. Maybe a tattoo would be in order. If you want to get wisdom, you're going to need humility, you're going to need humility. And you're going to find this next week. If you don't want the Bible to punch you in the face, don't come to church next week, okay? But this is what happens. The Bible says there's earthly wisdom, there's heavenly wisdom, and the two collide with each other. See, every, all of us have a conventional wisdom, right? We have a conventional wisdom because we're North Americans by and large. And then we have a personal conventional wisdom. All of us have certain defaults that we fall back to because they make sense to us. And that's our conventional wisdom. Heavenly wisdom collides with that, right? So here's, here's an example. We would say somebody hurts me, I get even with them. The Bible would say somebody hurts me, I love them and forgive them as I've been forgiven. You should love your enemies. That does not make sense, right? Uh, we, would, we would have a conventional wisdom. Work hard and you get ahead. That's a conventional wisdom. The Bible would say, work hard and give things away for the kingdom of God. That does not make sense. So heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom collide. And when, I, when, I, when it comes to wisdom, if I don't have a humility to get it, because here's the thing with wisdom. Wisdom is not hard to find. Wisdom is hard to receive. You catch me? Wisdom is not hard to find. Wisdom is hard to receive. In fact, God says if you're searching for it, he'll give it to you. He says this in James chapter one, verse five. Listen to this. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, 
You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Bam. If anybody lacks wisdom, ask God who, who will uh, give it to you. First of all, he won't find fault with you. He won't be upset that you don't have it. And he'll give it to you generously. God, I, I, I need five bucks. Can you give me five bucks? Yeah, I don't mind giving you five bucks. You know what? Here's 50. No fault and generously. I would love to smother you with the gift of wisdom. It's not hard. It's not a mystery. You don't have to climb a mountain like ring a bell to get wisdom. You ask for it. God will give it to you. In fact, he wrote a bunch of it down, right? But then it goes on. Here it is. It's hard to receive. Verse six, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. I need wisdom. Whoosh, here's all the wisdom that you want. Mm, I kind of like my own wisdom, my own conventional wisdom. Now, wait a minute, now you're doubting. Now we're double-minded, now we're wishy-washy. And you're blown back and forth like the wave of the sea. It's literally like this. When you ask, I'll give it to you and it will take you to a place of peace, serenity, stress-free living because there's a certainty. It's not because your circumstances all got happy. It's because there's a certainty of how to navigate through that difficult time. But when you doubt, when you go back and forth between God's wisdom and your wisdom, you churn up the sea of your life and you live in a hurricane. And that will be what life looks like. And that's, that's the scariest thing. It's not the journey from point A to point B. It's, it's not knowing how to navigate the storm. So wisdom's not this mystery that you have to be enlightened to. Misery, uh, uh, wisdom is something God will give you. But receiving it and trusting it. So humility is this huge piece of getting wisdom, Right? So it's going to take patience and persistence. It's going to take humility. Here's the last thing. If you want to get wisdom, we have to remember we're going to need God. We're going to need God. This is huge. Don't, don't glance over that when God said to Solomon, here's your blank check, what do you want? What Solomon said was, I want your heart and your mind. I need you. Now, the reason that the first several chapters of Proverbs are set up where, where Solomon's saying to his sons, go after wisdom, is because Solomon was wise enough to know that if you just go after Proverbs, they won't help you. Did you catch that? He says, go after wisdom, because if you don't go after wisdom, if you just go after Proverbs, they won't help you. If you have short snippets that are easy to remember, they won't help you at all. But if you have that and understand that they're coming from the heart and mind of God and what is God's heart and God's mind before you hear God's words, all of a sudden they'll help you a ton. Because if you take God's words out of the context of God's heart and mind, th those words become difficult and even painful and even accusatory. But if you put God's words always in the context of God's heart and mind, then all those words become powerful, helpful, and even 
life-changing, okay? So if you, if you wanna come and study, you're like, I want some wisdom. If you think of it like Confucius and Oprah and Dr. Phil wisdom, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my life a little bit better and get a few leadership insights and have my best life right now, it won't work ever. But if you look and say, I'm gonna, all oh, those words are reflecting the heart and mind of God, I wanna download the heart and mind of God, that becomes transformational then. Even short snippets of God's word empowered by God become transformational for us, okay? So that's the deal. Over the next few weeks, if, if we have patience and persistence, it's a discipline, just like your ongoing education that you have or your kids have or going to school, right? We're putting that in place. Right? Humility, huge one. God, God wins always. So I'm yielding to God. I'm not asking God to yield to me. And then I'm, I'm after the heart of God. I'm not after like a little bit of helper things for my life, but I'm after the heart of God. Then what'll happen is as we unpack wisdom here, th this idea, it will be life-changing for you. And we'll have, a, we'll have a new set of skills that we can, we can approach life with, okay? So I'm excited, I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really cranked to go through this journey together. I think it's gonna be helpful. And, uh, and a game changer, and I, I think you're gonna get a, a ton out of it. So I'm looking forward to going through it with you, okay? All right, let's do this. Let's, let's take a couple minutes and, and just kind of be still. Uh, we, we live in chaos, right, all the time. And so rarely do we get to sit quietly and clear our mind a little bit. So I encourage you to do that. If you're a follower of Christ, let, let's pray interact with God, ask him to, to start revealing himself to us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then maybe it's just a, a, a quiet time you can think about, you know, maybe your spiritual life and life in general, and is it moving the way that you, you need it to or God needs it to? But why don't we just take a couple minutes and, and be still. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. I'll pray for us and the band will come out and create a little time and space for us. And let's just take advantage of, of uh, some quiet moments together. Jesus, we love you. Help us. Show us your heart and your mind in these things. God, help us to humble ourselves, starting with salvation and then all the way through every aspect of our heart. And God, to mold us into who you want us to be. And these quiet moments, God, just speak to us and press into our hearts. In your name, Jesus, amen.